On this week's episode, we welcome Star Parker. Star Parker, in my opinion, is the foremost expert and spokesperson when it comes to the issue of abortion. There's been so much fallout and uplift as a result of the Supreme Court sending Roe versus Wade back to the state. Star Parker joins us today in an exclusive to talk about her abortion journey and to talk about the many issues that are coming out of the ruling, particularly now that Congress is trying to codify the law uh, to ensure that women can still get an abortion in the different states. But let me welcome you to the show. Talk to us about your own journey with abortion. I appreciate that, and I'm so glad that you're having me on, even though you said that I'm one of the uh, premier spokespersons. There are just thousands across the country that have worked in this area for so long uh, to get to the place where the court would overturn Roe. One of the reasons that I'm one of those women who are rejoicing today because of that court decision is because I did get caught up in the lie that there's nothing wrong with killing your offspring. And in fact, I was so reckless in the behaviors that I was in involved in at that time in my life as a young woman that it wasn't until after the fourth time I went into one of their so-called safe, legal, rare abortion clinics that I had a gut instinct way down deep inside that there must be something wrong with killing your offspring. Maybe this isn't such a good idea after all. And although I didn't change any of my sexual patterns or behaviors at that time and was pregnant again within a very short period of time, still not married, I did opt to have that child. And that child then uh, actually landed me on welfare because here again I'm still not married. I lived in and out of welfare dependency for seven years. It's how I had the other abortions in California. Abortion had been legal for quite some time and taxpayers were willingly funding um, me going into uh, these clinics with no regulation, no rules, no information and killing my uh, potential offspring. Uh, and this opportunity in my life having this child and not aborting again, I ended up on welfare. And it wasn't until after a Christian conversion that I just totally changed my life. And what's fascinating about this and why I've invested so much of my time, not just through my organization, the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, on ending abortion in our society, particularly in the black community, but also why I've spent so much of my time with the pregnancy care centers to make sure that in our quieter communities we have people that are there for the women, for the children that are in crises like I was myself. You know, everyone has a definition about what abortion is. You've seen it firsthand. You've gone to the so-called clinics, the factories. Talk about what people don't realize about abortion. Well, one of the things they don't realize is how lawless it is and how vicious it is. I mean, when you start thinking that we're dismembering children inside of the womb of their potential mom, uh, we should be appalled. It's not that people don't know what abortion is. We've just not had the opportunity to talk about it for 50 years because uh, the court 
entered in in 1973 and took the discussion away from the American people. Well, in 73, we didn't have a lot of information, scientific information, medical information, and know the developmental stages of this being that's growing, but we all know that it was a being growing. What we did is bought into a feminist lie that offsprings will keep you from other things that you want in your life, so therefore you should have the right to kill it. That's what we're really coming down to. Unfortunately, in our society, because of Margaret Sanger and many others that also had ulterior motive to control certain population groups, we had vulnerable women in our poor communities preyed upon, lured into these clinics, and the next thing you know, abortion is out of control in black America. And what we do know in these clinics, including what we saw in Gosnell's clinic up in Philadelphia, is that a whole lot of maiming and murdering and molesting is going on in these unregulated centers. You know, if the left wants to talk about uh, coat hangers and dragging us back to behind, why don't we look at what's happening right now today inside of these abortion clinics? I think most Americans would be appalled, especially what we know about fetal development today. Why is there such a heavy concentration on black teenagers and abortion? Why is it that parent plant could pay special attention to this demographic. Well, Margaret Sanger is the founder of Planned Parenthood, and she was a eugenicist, no question. She bought the lie of many Anglican white that believe that there are certain population groups should not be bearing children. She called them human weed. She did not think that poor people should have children. So when you look at black America in this country, you journey through slavery, journey through Jim Crow. We're still producing children. We're still married. In fact, it's underappreciated that until the mid-60s, 78% of black husbands were in their homes raising their children. And blacks were having large numbers of children. Fast forward to today, we've killed more children through abortion in black America than were alive in the 60s during the Civil Rights Movement. Wow. 20 million. This has been a deliberate marketing approach to say we don't want certain people to have children in our 20 society. Million? 20 million, and those are the numbers we know. When you think about Guttmacher, who is a part of Planned Parenthood structure and the abortionist industry, that they are the ones that keep the numbers in the society. What about all the ones that we don't know about, especially now with chemical abortion? 50% of the abortions are, are chemical, meaning a girl will take a pill and see the baby in her toilet. This is very damaging, that in addition to the medical problems that we know of, in addition to the moral problems that the Christian community has been trying to point to since Roe, and even uh, before that, the Catholics were trying to say we shouldn't kill what God calls his reward, in, in, in the mental problems, I mean, we are in our pregnancy care centers, more than 5,000 centers in the country now. The number one issue that women are coming in with is saying, I can't get over it. I just can't get over it. Uh, this is a challenge for us in society. But in addition to that, it feeds a narrative that women are victims, that you cannot control your sexual impulses. And during that same time that we were seeing major discussions about expanding abortion in our society, we had a feminist movement that did not appreciate marriage. So we started seeing collapses of marriage, messaging that this is not important. We'd rather focus our time and attention on materialism. Five years after King's death, Roe v. Wade was national law. So look, let's, let's look at this picture of a people that are trying to move toward freedom and everything that freedom allowed through the Civil Rights Act and all the other expressions to say, remove these governmental barriers so we can live free. 
we saw two movements that then collapsed marriage in the black community and collapsed our will to, to live. And what's happened in this culture of death, we've seen just blood in the streets. We see blood in the abortion clinics. We see women who just have bought this idea that they can't control themselves sexually, so they have multiple children. We see expansion welfare state. We see young men being brought up in homes that don't have hu husbands there or dads to channel their energy to, to, to sports or schools, so they end up in the streets. This has legacy. Margaret Sanger has damaged the black community unbelievably. But we have good news, and that is Roe is now dead. So that means we can now have the cultural debate that we should have had. What the Supreme Court did was opened a new opportunity for us to have a culture of life, to rediscover the values and benefits of marriage, to rediscover the values and benefits of children being brought up in households that have marriage. And I'm just very excited about this time because when you think about not just my own story, and how you can get so lost because others keep telling you that the country's racist, you don't need to mainstream, you're poor because others are wealthy, um, your problems are not your fault. When you buy into these lies, you can start recklessly living for the day. And what we have now is record numbers of Star Parker old living just for today. And what we need in our society, and especially in the black community, is a new birth of revival, a new energy for survival. And that's what the Roe decision, or the death of Roe, is offering for not just black America, but for all of our country. You know, I, I, we all followed the tragic case in Indiana where the 10-year-old was raped by this scumbag, illegal adult who came in this country. And he is, what he is, is a scumbag. And yet, the national media tried to make her a poster child for abortion, a 10-year-old. And then, you know, if you think about this, Probably from your research and studying, it's not unusual what happened to this child. Armstrong, these progressive pagans have been using this strategy to destroy this country and the potential of certain people groups for generations, in particular the last five decades. When you think about that 10-year-old, this is not new. That This is criminal activity, rape and incest, but the abortionists have been protecting the rapist and the incestist because they want to keep killing children. This is not new that, 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 that we've taken what is happening to young vulnerable women out of the category of this is a criminal activity, should have been told on from the beginning, and therefore the structures of criminal activity would have kicked in. A rape kit is extensive. We, she would not have had to wait six weeks. But that's a whole other place. Because when you think about the breakdown, because of this culture of death that has seeped into our medical facilities, our medical establishment, our medical industry, there is not much in, uh, interest even and in, in, in investigation in what's happening to many of our vulnerable young people. But how could this physician not report it? Hey, uh, because they never report. This is, this is what I'm getting. This is one incident. What about the, all of the 10-year-olds that constantly been coming through in Memphis, Tennessee? When we have pregnancy at 10 years old, you think that the nation would know and that the nation would have had an na uh, uh, outcry, national outcry, years ago. But we don't even hear so about how's it. How's a 10-year-old getting pregnant? Where are the parents? We broke that down when we allowed, look, here's what happened in the 60s. First of all, we scrub our schools from any reference to God. 
So you've lost your moral compass. Next thing you know, you have a feminist movement that says, we don't like traditional family life. So now you don't have moral clarity in the households. Then you have a welfare state that says, don't even worry about those natural consequences. We have safety nets. We'll take care of you. We will isolate you off in the housing projects and just give you failing schools and a whole bunch of crime. And we'll keep going to Washington and pretend we're going to fix this for you. What do you mean, where are the parents? 70% of the kids in our most vulnerable communities today are born outside of marriage. They have no structure for how to get a hold of their lives. They're not going to get it in these cesspools we call schools. Thank God that the same week the Supreme Court gave us road death, they gave us school choice. That now money can follow children to schools parents want because they ruled on that main decision in Carson versus Macon that you do not have to be trapped in failing schools anymore that don't give you a moral compass of virtues. So no, 10 years I've been getting pregnant in our country for a long time because when people engage with youth in sexual activity, it will kick in your menstrual cycle. It will kick in and you'll end up having really, really big challenges. And I'm telling you, Memphis, Tennessee is one area to where it was getting so out of control that they were having discussions about just nor planting 10 year olds. Yeah, shocking, huh? It's very. It's sick. And, and, and the problem with Roe is it covered it all up. And now it's over. We actually get to have discussion in all 50 states. And it will get brutal because to the left, this is their sacrament. They like this industry. It's a billions of dollar industry. And they also like the fact that they have diminished the size and scope of certain populations in our society. More black kids in the womb end up dead been born. Notice what their narrative began immediately after Roe. How in the world are we going to keep killing these poor kids? How in the world are we going to get them out of that state to a state that will kill that offspring? It's vicious, it's vile, and now it's being exposed. You know, when you think about uh, where America is today, morality is important. And the Bible does tell us what we do to the least among us, our babies. But it seems as though even the women that even advocate for pro-choice and feel it's their bodies, they have been brainwashed. And a lot have been hurt. You know, one of my dearest friends who's a major supporter of my organization reminds me the star, the more vile they get. Let's do what that song said, look beyond the fault and see the need. They're also post-abortive. You can't have 60 million abortions and not have 40 million wounded women. You can't have 60 million abortions and not have 30 or 40 million men out there who, who, who are getting older and, and lawless. Men don't age well alone. Marriage has collapsed. In the black community, marriage rates are now at 30%. In, in the white community, marriage rates are just under 50%. They don't age well alone. But they also don't self-govern well alone. We know that. Unmarried men, statistics show us. I run a policy institute and we do data dumps. Statistics show us mountains of data that unmarried men are promiscuous men. And promiscuous men are producing dangerous men. 70% of the young guys that are in our criminal justice system, in our youth prison, no daddy. They don't know him, or they may know him, but he's not in the home trying to channel him, trying to raise him, trying to give him values. 95% of men in our federal pen, no relationship with their dad. It all connects to each other. And when we in the 60s determined that we were so enlightened that we didn't need these moral structures that came out of scripture anymore, we got lost. And what the Supreme Court did for us, what God did for us through the Supreme Court is reversed it. What we now have is the wind in the sail to say what kind of culture do you want to be? Do you want to be a culture of death 
or do you want to be a culture of life? And that's the debate that's going to go on in the states. Now, to your earlier question about, you know, well, they want to codify it now in national law. Oh, yeah, they're mad. There are people that they are, their whole economic interest is rooted in this, but it's even bigger than that. When you think about worship, you brought up scripture. When those that worship the creature more than the creator worship, this is their sacrament. Body and blood in Christ, we believe in him. For them, worship, you need a place, you need a sanctuary. We have church, they have classrooms. You need a sacrifice. We have tithe, they have taxes, but you need a sacrifice, you have a sacrament. And that's what we're dealing with here. This is spiritual. But when you think about the women, you're right, they just got caught up. They got caught up and then next thing you know, you're a young woman today and you talk about, why don't you just get married? People will laugh at her. You talk to a young man, why don't you just get married? They will laugh at him. And, and, and now we have a discussion. We have time to say, you know, what kind of society do we want to be? Do we want to be biblical and free or do we want to be secular and stateless? You know, something you've made us realize today that this is really a war. This is a billion dollar industry. So no wonder they go out and use code words to assassinate Supreme Court justices. No, there's, there, there's no surprise they want to impeach Justice Clarence Thomas because if they don't like the law, they change the law, they pack the court or get rid of the perceived enemy because they're losing their industry. Their industry, but it's Planned Parenthood is a billion dollars in and of itself. Oh no, this is hundreds of billions. The taxpayers alone are giving Planned Parenthood 500 million. No, this is huge. This is a huge industry to kill kids. This is a Fortune 500 company. Yes, but nonprofit, so they don't have to tell anybody all their business. And then when you go in there and you find out that, wow, they have body parts. This is not just a blob of tissue. Not only do they have body parts, but Planned Parenthood got caught selling off the body selling parts. Them, yes. When you think about Gosnell, you think that in, in 2013, when they busted into the Gosnell Clinic up in uh, Philadelphia, that people would have ended then and said, maybe we ought to do something about this. It was barbaric. It was barbaric. They had in the courtroom the toilet and the garbage disposal. Why? Because it was evidence of parts. This is sick what we as a society have been doing. And it's easy to turn a blind eye and say, well, if you don't want an abortion, don't have one. But now we're down to the core. Now we're down to science proves that this human being growing in the womb has, can feel pain, has a heartbeat, has senses that we know can actually live outside the world. We can go in now and change things when you see deformities and other things. No, science is on the side of those that are on the culture of life. But as you said, it's not just about the spiritual, it's also the financial. People are gonna lose a lot of money if they're not able to kill someone else's children. What, what are you hoping now with Roe back to the States and that the covers have been lifted What's the best case going forward? The best case is that as a society, we fall and repent and we, um, and, and we make it unthinkable like we did with slavery. No, they're, they're gonna dig in, sir. Well, they're gonna dig in just, but they did that with slavery too and we ended up in a civil war. I'm hoping that it doesn't get there. Remember, we had such debate at that time too, whether it was something from the Fugitive Slave Act or whether it was Dred Scott, all of the different decisions that were being made. You had decent people that were lifting up their voices to try to keep our society together while we had this great crime against humanity and great debate if we should end it. Well, that's the same debate. If you put Roe v. Wade next to Dred Scott, 
they read almost verbatim. Yeah, it's it's the same discussion. So what we want to do this time around that mountain is see if we can do it in a civilized manner. I'm not sure. You brought up what is we're dealing with here in Washington, D.C. These guys actually think they have a right to go into restaurants and disrupt you. The president won't even speak into it. The vice president won't even speak into it. We're all living in that type of challenged opportunity. As one described it the other day, it's like an animal in the corner, and they're, going, they, they're losing, and they're not feeling real happy about it. So we're hoping we don't end up in some type of war. But Roe is dead, so now it's in the states to have the discussion. And what is my hope? My hope is that we make it unthinkable, but without a civil war. I find it fascinating that you don't see Roe as being overturned. You see Roe as being dead in the water. What, what, you know, the, even there they're lying. Oh, now you're up top of the crazy. Oh, this, oh, no, we even just discussed the 10 year old. No, all they did was send it back to the states. What we did is turn the clock to 1972. There was already great discussion on abortion in the states of, uh, uh, before 72, before Roe in 73. And in fact, mentioning the poster child of the 10-year-old, oh, they were using Norma McCorby, who is the Roe, for their poster child. She became born again. She became remorseful for, the, for even being the picture of Roe v. Wade and spent the rest of her life until she passed trying to correct that. She was one of our champions at our pregnancy care center banquets so that they would have the resources they need to help that woman that walked in and says, I'm pregnant and I just don't know what to do. That's what we do in our pregnancy care centers. We help them. How does the transgender movement play into all this? The transgender movement plays into all of this because the question on the table is, can a society survive if you have no morality, if you have no absolute truth guiding your existence? Not just any society, our society. Because our society was designed for men to self-govern. But like our first president told us, you can't do that without morality and you get your morality out of religion. So what's happening right now is the discussions that the Tocqueville uh, had uh, when he came over here to say, wait, why is America working? Oh, it's in the church. So what we're looking at now is a cultural war. The trans movement, the LGBTQ movement is rooted in a philosophy called monism. And in that philosophy of monism, we own ourselves. There is no existence beyond ourselves. And it conflicts with the Bible. It conflicts with Christian people. And that's why we're having these wars now, because there are people that are raising children, 100 million get them and go to church on Sunday morning, and they believe the Bible, and they don't want to be challenged in that belief. There are others that say, well, we don't believe it. So the question for Americans is, can we share this country? You know, I'm, 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 I'm going deeper with this question, because I know you saw the exchange between Senator Josh Hawley and the professor. And her argument is for men to get pregnant. And yet, we're talking about these staggering number of abortions. Right. Her argument is rooted in monism. Her argument is that we're changing the definition of men. Remember, the question was asked as women. And she went into cisgender, and she went into transgender. What does that mean? It means a woman who becomes a man, yes, can still get pregnant, yes. unless they go in and have extensive surgeries. So we can go into the weeds on these types of discussions. But what's really uh, needing to uh, move forward is we're separating further and further, right and left, on these questions. But I think what you said is important. Okay. They're trying to emasculate men, redefine men, feminized men. Oh, that's been done. Oh, no, no. That, that 
has already happened in our society. What, what the new wave of the Supreme Court has offered us is an opportunity to recover ourselves. No, no, man is, is lost right now in our society. That's why even some of their, their discussion on abortion is, hey, make sure that the companies pay for it so that we can get you women back to work. Well, why are the men working? When you look at the differences in the numbers, you're seeing men who need that kind of guidance from their mom and their dad in that home uh, dropping out of society. If women will do it, why would they? Men will do anything that you, you want them to do for some sex. You tell them you want them to change diapers, they'll change diapers. You tell them they're not necessary, go sit on the stump, they'll go sit on the stump. So what's happened is we've allowed for our society to collapse. And so this LGBTQ discussion is just a part of that because the war is are we going to be secular or are we going to be sacred? And self-governing is more in the sacred realm. You have to be able to be responsible by your choices. Choice loses all meaning if it doesn't matter what you choose. So that means that you have to have a moral compass. If we just, anything goes, anybody gets to decide, then you're given all of the power to government. So how do we get out of this is by reducing the size of government, by not forcing us to share space. That's why it was incredible that the Supreme Court ruled on schooling. If you don't want trans information in your children, now you don't have to, you can go to another school. It's fascinating that the same people who insist on all of this monism, all of this um, a conflict in culture when it comes to the choices they want to make because they want to live secular, are the same people who want to trap children in failing schools, trap children in schools that uh, their values and virtues are not consistent with that of the home, and then trap people in government demanding that we share all of our space. Finally, how do we start the process of restoring men to the purpose that God has for them. Oh, we've already done that. Once you end abortion, women start thinking. Don't forget, human reality <laughs> likes incentives. And when you tell people, hey, you can just do anything you want to, and you can just walk away from that baby, and she can just go have an abortion, well, that's no more. Oh, no, men will start marrying. I will pay, in fact, I'll bet you $5 that this time next year, not only are we going to have um, more women called mom and more women called grandma, we're going to have a whole lot more marriage. Because women aren't going to sit by and let a man just pregnate them and now they got to carry that child to term and then we're ending welfare at the same time. Oh no, this, this is a self-correction. We should be celebrating what the court has just done. They didn't just do it for schools. They didn't just do it to kill Roe. But they also said you can bring religion back into the public square. Remember the prayer at the school? This is a new day for us as a society. We should be this is revival. This is revival time. Revival and restoration for survival of our country. How can someone support your organization? Oh, Cure Policy, curepolicy.org. And we are a nonprofit, no government, and we, we fight poverty, we restore dignity through messages of faith and freedom and personal responsibility. And we believe charity belongs to the church and local communities, not in Washington, D.C. So we want the government out of the welfare business. Curepolicy.org. <laughs> Star Parker, fantastic discussion. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on another episode 